host Madeline Roth and welcome to this place where we celebrate ourselves as spiritual beings and engage in conversations about what it means to live the good life through our spiritual practice. And yeah, today's episode is titled Life is But is a Classroom, inspired by the line in Taylor Swift's song from the New Romantics. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's fully fall now. We're in the full swing of fall. The leaves are changing. There's pumpkins on every doorstep. Um, I love going back to school and just getting all of the accoutrements for education. And I, I got some pens and a notebook and some highlighters. And I've just been experimenting with them. And I found I really like the Papermate Flare pens. They're felt tip pens and they just write so great. And sometimes like I can change the pressure a lot with how I write, whether it's hard or softer. And with rollerballs, they don't always capture everything that I'm writing down or it's kind of splotchy writing, but I really like the felt tip and how smooth it is. And it doesn't bleed through the paper. And yeah, I really quite enjoy it. And I hear this Pete Buttigieg's favorite pen. <laughs> that was from the wire cutter that inspired me to go on this pen finding quest. <laughs> um, but yeah, Papermate Flare, gotta check him out. And I got this cute new notebook that uh, is just kind of kawaii <laughs> and uh, it has different illustrations on the pages and you write over the illustrations, but they're, they're just so cute and like they're light and pastel. So you can see what you write if you write in black ink. Um, but it just makes me happy and it's just like a great manifestation journal and just like a little special place to write all of my thoughts and some of my oracle, my tarot readings and what I get from the tarot like I put in there and it's been really nice to have and I'm really excited just to explore with my new gifts and you know, last week was fall break up at the, the university and they're just back in school this week. Um, but I really, I've been thinking about that and it's been a decade since I graduated college or I was in my senior year a decade ago. And this time, 10 years ago, um, I had surgery for a cancerous tumor in my neck and I never smoked a cigarette like not done any really risky behavior, but yeah, I just got this, um, this like salivary gland cancer. It was an adenocarcinoma <laughs> and I had it, the had the surgery the Thursday before fall break. And obviously I was up and I was laid in bed all of fall break and it was just, this real haze of pain meds and sleeping and just like sleep and pain. And yeah, it was really kind of terrible. And then I think I took off another two days um, that next week, but then I was back at it and just went to school and I had like gauze on the back of my ear, like, cause it was kind of like the surgery they pulled. This is kind of gross. So skip forward two minutes. <laughs> you don't want to hear about like the surgery, but they had a cut behind my ear and the tumor was wrapped around my uh, facial nerve, which controls all the muscles in your face. And it was a really delicate surgery and took a long time. And they, to get to the tumor, they had to take out the bone that's behind your ear. They like 
like chipped it out with and that bird is kind of a bird bone material and it's like to help with resonance behind your ear and yeah they just like chipped that out and got to the tumor and it was and I have a big long scar that goes from the back of my ear down my neck and and the it's really healed well and they did a great job they're very conscientious and made the scar very nice and um but yeah but it was quite painful to lose a bone and then to have really extensive surgery around my facial muscles and as you can probably hear I don't I didn't get a facial droop and I don't speak with the with a facial difference and I'm so grateful to the surgeon and the whole team of surgeons because it was really a group effort um, that saved my facial nerve and I'm just thankful to God that the surgery went well and you know my after the first day after surgery my surgeon came in and asked me to smile and I gave a big smile and I could do it and it was just I, I could see the relief on his face and that he had really done a good job so thank you to everyone who works in um, facial surgery and like yeah it was a really rare cancer it's like this tumor is it's like two, like five percent of all head and neck tumors and then like of that only about three percent are cancerous and mine was <laughs> and so you know it was really it was really rare and um you know it was a, an experience that taught me a lot about what it means to to value life and to value your youth and to value what you had. And I was working an office job on campus that paid pretty well. But after having the surgery, I was like, you know, I want to change what I'm doing with my life and how I'm spending my time and do stuff that really matters to me. So I quit that job and took on an unpaid internship registering voters and making calls for state and local candidates with progressive issues. And like, it was so hard to make those calls because it was really painful to speak. But yeah, I got in like a hundred calls a night from, you know, the end of, from mid-October through November when the election was. And I just really stuck it out and it meant a lot to me. And um, it was a really good thing. And it led to an internship in the U.S. Senate in D.C. in the fall of 2014, uh, the, that next year in communications. And I got to work mainly in the actual Capitol building. And I crossed paths all day with senators and senior staffers and reporters, went to a bunch of press conferences, wrote press releases. Yeah, I was just like really involved with the day to day of what was happening. And that really feels like a lifetime ago, you know, and I think 2014 really was a different time. And it was before Trump and before January 6th, before the pandemic and war in Ukraine and this military action in Israel and Gaza. And I mean, there was some, there was some stuff happening in Israel in 2014 as well, but it's no, was not nowhere near the scale of what's happening now. Um, but it was a quieter time and things were polarized, but not to the level they are now with no speaker of the house and the disagreement and factionalism on all sides. And I think what's really bothered me in the past couple of years is how people have appointed themselves the morality police 
and the arbiters of who's good and who's bad and who's in and who's out and um, being able to say I'm right and you're wrong from behind a keyboard and really trying to mete out justice through cancel culture and attacks and yeah and like I guess the um you know like who like I think we need to really realize um how how special we all are and how soft we are and how vulnerable to um you know others other words and that we're humans behind your keyboard or behind your headphones and to be careful of that but it just made me really realize that everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten and what I mean by that is that every day I look around my life and I realize that what is most important is that I take in what's around me in a calm and way of the beginner with clear eyes and a fresh heart and ready to learn and ready to just see and contemplate and to hear and to understand, to touch and feel, to eat and taste, to sniff and smell, to breathe and be still, to be able to use my senses to take in information and integrate that information into the concept of the world and myself that I hold and getting to be myself while putting forth my best effort that what is required of me is to show up every day and do my best to learn something new, be kind to my fellow men and be a good friend, take a nap and have a snack, then do it all over again and just keep doing it. You know, I used to think that um, college was like the pinnacle of my education and that it gave me the keys to the kingdom in a way it did. And that slip of paper has gotten me into rooms and to jobs and to opportunities that I don't think I would have had as the daughter of two nurses without that college education. And, um, you know, I think like if we graduate from college or high school or grad school and think how life has nothing left to teach us, we are sorely mistaken. We have a lot left to learn. School presents us with only a tiny amount of knowledge. We are beginners. Every day presents us with a new beginning. Today is the limit of my understanding of today. Tomorrow I will push that a limit a little further, endlessly and forever on for eternity. For as Mean Girls Mathy Katie Heron taught us, the limit does not exist. If I can see myself as a no-limits person, what can I accomplish in a day, a month, a year, a lifetime? If I see myself as someone with no limits on what I can feel, learn, understand, take in, or create, how would I live? I think I would live differently than I do now. I think <laughs> I think this is a lesson for me in the classroom of life that every day presents new opportunities and I have a new strength within me to grow and achieve with every day that passes. And... Um, you know, experience is life's greatest teacher. And I've had so many experiences in the past 10 years since graduating college that I could not have predicted when I was just a little 22 year old 
walking across that stage and getting diplomas in political science and English. And I've met so many people and traveled the world and even just grown within my own hometown. And I couldn't have predicted the pandemic and how that would have changed things or my own mental health journey and how really struggling with my mind, something that I've always valued and felt like I had a keen mind and sharp wit and razor sharp abilities and good memory and how a lot of that was taken from me due to illness. And I've had to just claw my way back uh, to a sense of normalcy and to a place where I can function, you know, just at a competency level. And that has been really hard and has really taught me a lot about seeing things from a different perspective. And, you know, I always, I always got straight A's in school and I got a full ride to college. And I think, um, you know, come having an illness that really put me on my back foot with being able to learn and comprehend. And there were times that I would try to read a page and I couldn't understand what was happening or I would try to listen to an episode of the daily and I left knowing less about the world than when I started just because I couldn't hold the facts or the words in my mind and my mind would make loop-de-loops and have come up with different explanations for things and just had a really hard time concentrating and paying attention. And um, I remember one time at work, I was working on a social media post and I just couldn't get the spelling right. And my boss leaned over my shoulder and she kept pointing at the screen and saying, what is the problem with this? What is wrong? What do you need to fix? And I couldn't see what it was. And I just couldn't comprehend. And I was so stressed for my boss. And I just felt such like such an abject failure. And it was so, so painful. And I had never had to go through that in my life and I in my education. I always knew the answer or had an answer. And it usually was the got me an A at least, even if it wasn't the right answer. And I think, you know, and um just the loss of self-identity, you know, because I really valued my identity as an intelligent person and as a smart person and as an intuitive person. And it felt like I was just a lump of clay with no real personality or real ability to take to move forward. And in a way, it feels like I went to bed when I was 27 and woke up when I was 32, just with how ill I've been. And I think this next phase of my life is to really grow from that experience and to bloom into myself as I believe I am. And I think we all have an age that we believe we're totally grown up. And for me, that age has always been 32. Like it's been this horizon that is kind of like, that's the end of my young adulthood and everything beyond that is real adulthood. And then I'm a real grown up and 
um, you know, it's time for a shift to occur. And I think I'm really going through that shift and really learning what I want to prioritize and how I want to live my life now that I'm healthy again and can see clearly and comprehend and know exactly what was wrong with the spelling in that post and three ways to make the post more pleasant and perform better on social. Um, but it's also come, you know, I'm also arriving at a point where I feel like I don't want to pursue my chosen career path of social media manager anymore. And I've been listening to a lot of Amanda Herbie's off the grid podcast, talking about ways to succeed online and in your business without social media. And don't get me wrong. I love Instagram stories and I think I'll always have an Instagram account. Um, but I know that that's not really a way to grow and that follower count accounts are really a vanity metric overall. And What's more important is having something you own, like an email list and money in the bank from purchases. So um, I'm just trying to like figure out how I move forward in a new economic sense. And yeah, I'm thankful for my followers, my subscribers, um, and everyone who listens to this podcast. And I hope you continue to listen and get value out of it as you learn more about me and yourself and um, take time to uh, get centered and see what's right for you. And I had a conversation with a friend over the weekend just about how corporate the corporate ladder isn't for us and that there's a lot of money to be made in traditional structures and that you can make a lot of money, you know, doing writing the capitalist bull and, you know, creating products and um, services that really degrade the earth and degrade us as a human family and as human beings. Um, and how I think we're see so many people right now are seeking to put that aside and find a way to pay ourselves and pay each other in a way that is sustainable and sustains our, us from a heart centered place. And yeah. And like, I don't know exactly what that looks like for me. And, you know, I think that eventually I want to offer some workbooks and courses and about what I've learned along my journey through mental illness and physical illness and on a trajectory that that's taken me from, you know, the height, the U S Senate, um, to some really low places in the world. And I, I want to reflect on all those experiences and bring the wisdom of change and growth. And, um, and what I have found in spirit and my relationship to Jesus and the divine and, and I hope, I hope that you, um, wherever you are, like you can develop a personal relationship with Jesus, even if that's like outside the structures of the church. And I'm not totally down, like, down with organized religion, but I don't necessarily hate it either. And, um, I appreciate the prayers like that are said in most Protestant churches on Sundays, <laughs> um, 
like the Lord's Prayer and the Confession of Sin. And um, just in case for my Mormon or LDS audience who maybe hasn't heard this before, but this is what's said in most like most um, Protestant churches every Sunday. But most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And I just really value that prayer and that like confession and um yeah, kind of the meat of it where it says we have not loved you with our whole heart, we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves which gets back to the Sermon on the Mount and the two great commandments, love the Lord God with all thy heart, mind, mind and strength, and love and second like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. And that's the heart of Jesus's message. And I think like I, if you can't get behind that um, and you consider yourself a spiritual being, like I, I just question, ask you to question why that is. Is it because it's, Christian and I don't think it's necessarily Christian and like Jesus was a Jew and um, it's a it's a message for all people um, and I think there's wisdom to be had in it and a, it's a good guidance for how to go out and live your life and how to be in communion with yourself and with your other with your neighbors and like the people you love and the people you hate and how we live together as one human family. And during this time of unrest, I think we could use more of that. And I just hope that you can find a teacher that um, teaches you how to live um, a fully embodied life of faith and hope and love and charity. And I, uh, I just hope you know that nothing is over until it's all over. And even then, it's not, I don't believe in an ending. Um, you know, and there's been many points in my life where I've thought I can't go on from this and that I can't recover and there's no hope for me and there's no possibility of a new tomorrow or any any life that I would want to live um and just feeling like if this is how my life is going to be then I don't want to live it and you know and and that and just some really dark feelings and um and that you know and part of it I think is that I'm a bit spoiled and I'm I'm white I'm upper middle class I have a lot of social supports and benefits and, you know, the hardest parts of my life are, were consequences of choices I made. Um, and I have to live with those choices and live with the repercussions of them. And I want to take accountability for everything I've said and done while also knowing that there were some compounding factors 
that I hope um, people can have compassion for and understand how much I was struggling and how things were out of control. Um, and that I did my best with what I had available to me. And sometimes that was very, very little, um, despite how it might look, uh, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, it's important to acknowledge that I've been very privileged throughout my life that, um, I've had everything I could ever want really. And I, and while my, um, my peace of mind was taken away from me and even my ability to make money or to move forward was taken away from me that I have been really safe and provided for by my family and by outside sources. And, um, that I've been truly blessed by that and it's gotten me to a place where I think I can move forward and have some sense of self self and sense of security and ability to talk to you and, you know, do my tarot readings on my YouTube channel and offer tarot readings as a personal service. And, um, yeah, and I'm, and that, like I said, work on some workbooks and maybe a full length book and, um, you know, some art, art prints available for sale to support myself. And I used to have really big dreams for myself, you know, like I believed I, I, you know, and I had these big goals for educational attainment and career attainment and have the big title and the big office and a plaque and somewhere and prestige and, um, you know, cultural cachet. And I think there'll be a part of me that always wants those things. And I'm not someone who says that I'm free of ambition or I'm free of the capitalist mindset. Like I, I want to have enough money to travel to Thailand for a month or to, you know, have a, you know, my own, own my own condo, you know, or, um, have a, have just what I want and just, and even just feeling like I'm financially secure enough to have a child. Like that's, you know, what I want for my life. And maybe those aren't huge things to some people and that, and that's just saying like, yeah, that's like a normal, normal things to want, normal life. But from the place that I've been, they feel huge. And it feels like asking for a lot and asking for um, my life to turn out, to turn a corner and to be more productive and beneficial. And, um, you know, and I, and I think that I just have to remember that nothing is over until it's over and to keep on pushing and to see what's just around the corner and what's waiting for me and the possibilities and and to know that my guardian angel is looking out for me and always has and always will. And, you know, my cancer when I was in college wasn't my first bout of illness. Like I had bone eating cysts in my mouth when I was about three that I had multiple surgeries to remove. And um, I had double knee surgery twice when I was um, in middle school. And... You know, and I've just had 
and I've had pneumonia and like just various elements um, throughout my life. And, you know, all of these physical things have been um, hard to overcome and, you know, and just the treatment and recovering from the pain and dealing with the pain has been hard and um, has taught me a lot about the relationship to to self and to pain and how we get through those things. And I did it before and I can do it again. And I think I'm going to live a long life. Um, my grandma, my mom's side is still alive and she is about to turn 88. And her mom lived to be nine, almost 97. And my, my other grandma lived to be 97. So, you know, I have some good genes. But like if, you know, I can make it through and just keep trucking, then yeah, probably have a long life. And, um, and I just want to live each day uh, with knowing that I might be here for another 70 years, um, but also that it might be my last and to try and like to have each day be a good day. And my brother says no bad days. And I, I kind of like every day is a good day. And, um, yeah, and I just, you know, I think it's kind of like the good place. Everything is fine. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful to be on Earth. And Earth is a great place for dealing with karma, both yourself and in the past. And there's this, this is Eckhart Tolle quote that goes a um, hundred million years ago, there was a big fish that came along and ate the little fish. And you were, that your essence was part of that little fish. And that is your karma that you're working through now. So I think we don't know how much karma we have with us. And I certainly see my cancer for existence, for example, as karma. Um, my grandma, who I feel really close to on my dad's side, even though she died when I was um, about 12, you know, uh, she smoked like three packs a day for 60 years of her life, you know, and she lived to be 97 with no super major health issues. You know, she wasn't even on oxygen or anything. And, um, you know, and I just... Like, and I, and I, like I said, I hadn't smoked a cigarette and I get this cancer that's really common among smokers and, um, people over 70. So I think it's just how we're connected to our families and to each other and how things play out in a long chain. And we have to keep going until the end and endure until the end, you know? And I think we have to face that fear and do it anyways. The fear of our own mortality or even the fear of our own immortality. And know the power within us is great enough to meet whatever challenges arise. And, um, you know, I think this kind of a content warning for this episode and, um, you know, but it's just like when about our own suicide and, and cancer, but 
you know, and I've been really sick and it's kind of like, you know, I've been afraid of what the next day might bring and afraid of taking action and afraid of being consistent and afraid of being public and um, afraid of my past and afraid of my future. And, you know, I think all facts are friendly at the end of the day. And the, um, the, there's always the truth. And um, to really be comfortable with the truth and of what is and how it moves you to act and to be a person in the world and to see it for what it what it is and you know my father is someone who likes to tell a lot of stories and I I'm not always that truthful and I kind of grew up with this background of lies from my dad where I never quite knew what was real and what was a story, you know, or a lie that he made up. And and I think he kind of lives in the shadow world that's half real and half not. And I think it's really, it takes a lot out of him, especially as he's gotten older. And I just hope that I can face my fears around being real and being honest and being truthful and being centered and grounded and that I have help from the spirit world in doing that and that I'm going to be okay. So, yeah. So I hope <laughs> that um, you can take from this some insights into your own life and living each day as a, as a beginner with your eyes wide open and ready for your life to come at you at full force and to know um, that you are loved and safe and supported and that things will work out and that you have the capacity and the capabilities to make a better life for yourself. And if it's not good for you right now, figure out what needs to change and to make those changes, even if they're scary and you know what's right and you know what's true for you and what's in the most in alignment with your highest self. And, you know, to, I think it's the gift of adulthood to be able to give yourself those things. And there, it can be really scary to be a child and you don't have control, you know, your adults control you know, where you go, what you do, your a lot, your body to a large extent, you know, what you eat, uh, what you drink, what you see, who you meet, and what you learn. And as adults, we have the option to, you know, nurture our child selves that maybe didn't get what they needed or deserved. And in doing so, we calm our adult self and our adult being and yeah, and just we can work through the shadows and maybe in the next episode we'll be on doing some shadow work. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode and can go see how the world life is a classroom 
and take some of my story and apply it to your own or get some insight. And yeah, thank you for listening.